we can live in the presence of God, we cannot be moved. We can be in a place where no matter what the circumstances of life are, that we do not lose our peace. Overwhelmed by his presence. Sometimes since I, well, probably a lot, but since I came back here, sometimes I just cry. I just cry because he's so good and he's so kind. I just cry because his presence is just so wonderful. And he's such a loving father that he never removes his hand. He never removes that hand of love from us. And if we could all just experience the tremendous peace and tranquility and love that he is, we would never have another concern in life, honestly. He is our all in all. But anyway, I want to go to Psalm 15. In Psalm 15, it gives us the keys to living in his presence. Living in his presence. And it gives us the keys to a life unshaken. Not shaken by the circumstances around us. So that we do not have to live circumstantial lives. So it starts with the most important question of all. And it says, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? Lord, may, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? That's the question. And that's the posture of our hearts. That's, the, that's where we need to live, beloved. That's where we need to live. That's where we need to be present all the time. This longing to be in his presence. Because he's a not, not a faraway God. He's a right here and now God. He's in you. He loves you. So we need to stay in that place of longing. We need to stay in that place of longing. We need to always be hungering and thirsting to know him more, to be more like Jesus, to know him more, to know his presence, to know his character. I long, I long to be in your presence. I long to know you, Lord, in a greater and greater way, in a deeper and deeper way, in a more personal way. I just want to sit with you. I just want to walk with you. I just want to talk with you. I just, you know, I just want to know you're here. You know he's here. You know he's here. So I just want to talk to you. I just, you know, I just want to have a conversation. Do you know that's the kind of God you serve? He'll just have a conversation with you. Hallelujah. In Psalm 42, Verse 1, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. 
when can I go to meet with God? Well, that when is just totally up to you. It's totally up to you. It's completely our choice. He doesn't close any doors. You're, you're under an open heaven. He's not keeping any reserves. You see that? You understand what I mean when I say that? He's not a reserved God. It's all there for you. It's all open to you. So we go to verse 2 through 5, and these verses answer the question that we've just asked. His presence is what we're after. And verse 2 says, The one whose walk is blameless. Okay, now I just want to say to you, this is not a list, a technical list of do's and don'ts. Do not put on your religious hats. Okay? These are things that build the character and nature of God in us. Okay? So it's, 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 it's a matter of the heart. These are heart issues. And as we establish our decisions based on these heart issues, we become more and more like God. But it's not this thing where there's only one perfect, right? Jesus Christ. So in regard to that, we're not, we can't be perfect in ourselves. We display these things as we get to know Jesus on a personal level. You are destined to become more and more like him every day. Okay? So it says, The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is right, righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, who, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and casts no slur on others who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts. In other words, your word is your word. Regardless if down the road it proves to be detrimental because God will always honor your integrity. Who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. So like I said before, does this mean that we're perfect? No, it doesn't mean that. Because in the New Testament, Jesus made the sacrifice for us, right? He made the sacrifice. He defeated sin so that when we walk in him, we can do the same. But he is our inter intercessor so that we can walk in his nature. So this is not, like I say, not a list. It's a call to your heart. Can you see it that way? It's a call to your heart. And it signifies 
a heart after God and how he sees life, how he wants us to live life so that we can be victorious through him. So these characteristics or qualities, they um, rise up in us as we build relationships. And this does not, these do not become hard taskmasters. They're not hard taskmasters. They become issues out of our heart. And we, be, we become the nature of God. Okay? So the Holy Spirit will always give, give us wisdom. The Holy Spirit will always give us the ability to walk this way and talk this way, to be this way, and to walk in holiness. The Holy Spirit teaches us. He is our counselor, our comforter. When we make mistakes, he comforts us. And he enables us to walk through his wisdom, his power, not our own. Okay? Let's, let's go to 2 Corinthians 13. Okay, this is where this, what, what Paul is doing here is he is speaking about our need to examine ourselves. And he is speaking about the power of Christ in us to help us put away sin. Okay? So it says, He, Christ, is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, Yet he lives by God's power. Hallelujah. He lives by God's power. You know, these are words on a page, but there's so much more. There's Holy Spirit life. There's life in these words. I don't mean to be teary today, but if you could just know how alive the word of God really is. It truly has its own life. Living. Active. Able to change things. When, it's, when, the, word, when the Bible says that it's an incorruptible seed... That's true. It penetrates. When I was laying on that rock, it penetrated through the very rock. I don't know how to describe it. It was so alive. It was so strong. It penetrated through through rock. It reminds you of the verse that says, you know, if you don't praise, the rocks are going to cry out. I understand that now. It brings life to every situation and circumstance. When Hebrews 4.12 says that, it divides between the 
the soul in the spirit. I don't even know how to describe that. Just think of the reality of that. Hallelujah. Anyway, I was somewhere. <sighs> you guys are going to have to just put up with these little things from now on because why else does the Lord take someone somewhere if he doesn't want them to try to convey it. And I can't convey it in my own abilities. You know, he is the light. He is the life in the light of the world. We need to take that seriously. We need to not just think about that, like just some little thing. It's transformative. It's real. They're not just words. They're not just parables. They're not just word pictures. It's reality for you here, now. Or am I belaboring this too much? Good. <laughs> His greatness is just... His greatness is just like words can't even say it. Yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him. I'm on 2 Corinthians 13, verses 3 through 4. We are weak in him, yet by God's power we will live with him. As he lives, so we live. When we cling to him, when we believe him, when we believe the word, as he lives, so we live with him in our dealing with you. That's how you're supposed to be to other people. Paul's saying, that's how I am to you, Corinthians. But you see, that's how we're supposed to be, too, to others. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in faith. So are you going to trust Jesus? Are you going to believe the word is true? Are you going to believe it's live? Are you going to believe it's powerful? All you, are you going to believe it's active? Are you going to believe it's incorruptible? Are you going to believe that it actually brings life in every situation? Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test, and I trust that you will discover that you have not failed the test. Hallelujah. Beloved, that's a word to each and every one of you. You will not fail the test. You're going to cling to Jesus. In the Aramaic, from the Aramaic, it says, 
he who is not weak among you, but is mighty among you. For although he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. And we also are weak with him. We're crucified with him, aren't we? Right? But we live with him. And we also are weak with him. But we are living with him by the power of God who is in you. The scripture tells you that the power of God is in you. And I choose to believe it. I'm going to yield to that. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to understand. I am going to take full knowledge, full understanding of how much he loves me. And I will not be shaken. I will not be moved. Nobody's going to move me off the rock. Whoa, I've got something in my contacts. Woo! <laughs> so basically the point that we can take from this is that Christ was crucified, but now he lives in power in us. Hallelujah. In each and every believer. Sorry. <laughs> I am so glad we're not on Facebook today. <laughs> uh, that's better. I can see you now. Okay. <laughs> so, because of that power living in us, we can live above a sin-dominated world. We can live above sin. You see? We can live victorious lives. We can live forgiven. We can live free from the judgments of men. <laughs> we can live powerful. Don't correct me. I didn't mean that as an adverb. Right there. That's why I didn't say powerfully. We do not have to live circumstantial lives. You do not have to live a circumstantial life. Everybody goes through difficulty. But we can stand on a rock, we can be in a presence that moves that difficulty away from our hearts so that we can walk in peace in the midst of turmoil. We can maintain a peace that the presence of God only knows. And what others do and what others say and how others treat us and the things that go on around us in a sin-fallen world do not have to move us or steal our joy or steal our peace. Because God is bigger than our circumstance. At all times. And we just want to cling to his presence. And we're not all perfect, so don't get in a bunch of condemnation. We can stay founded on the rock at all times. Established and unmovable. So, 
But what this really comes down to is this is your choice. This is my choice. It is a daily choice. It is a moment-by-moment choice. So when someone antagonizes you, you're going to have to choose a higher road. You're going to have to choose the road of peace. You're going to have to choose to walk in integrity. You're going to have to choose to know whose you are and that he's going to take care of you. You're going to have to choose not to to try to act out in vengeance. You let him take care of that. You walk in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we choose, we choose light or dark in every situation. Thank you, Lord, that we get to choose light. So what is the result? What is the result of pursuing this relationship, of pursuing this life with Christ, of pursuing the presence of God and growing in his love and growing in holiness? Psalm 15.5 says, Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Say that. I will never be shaken. So the way of life, this way of life, it builds so much strength. It builds so much integrity in you. that the world cannot have a hold on you. Remember Jesus said that the world has no hold on him? How could he say that? Because he knew the love of the Father. Because he sought to please the Father back. He knew the love and he sought to please, please his Father. His entire heart's desire was the heart's desire of the Father, to stay in the presence of the Father, and in, in John eight twenty nine it says, And he who has sent me is with me. Say that. My father is with me. And my father has not left me alone. Say that. My father has not left me alone. Because I am doing always what is beautiful to him. That's our heart. Always. I want to do what's beautiful to the Father. See, Jesus had a wholehearted devotion to his Father, and he knew his Father's love would never fail him. And your Father's love will never fail you. The love of people, things here on the earth, they will fail you. But you have a greater one. Your unity with the Father, your connectedness, with your father. It will give you so much confidence. It will give you so much boldness. See that? It gives you, knowing that you're in his presence, knowing that he's for you, knowing that he loves you, it gives you so much confidence, so much boldness. It says if your hearts do not condemn you, right? You go boldly, boldly, the throne of grace. And it is a throne of grace. Thank you, Lord. And nothing can steal your peace. Nothing can steal your peace if that's where your posture is. 
Let's go to Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I'm going to trust my Father no matter what it looks like. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. He is the rock eternal. So when our minds are stayed, then our heart is fixed, right? And our trust in, our, in Father God is unshakable. It's unshakable. And we know because of his love for us that he will never fail us, he will never forsake us. Psalm 24 is very similar to Psalm 15. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Here's the same question. Here's the same posture. Here's the same longing of the heart. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? You see, that this is actually God's heart for you. This is where he wants you to be. This is where you're invited to be perpetually, but not just eternally in heaven. It's now this is where you're invited to be. This is where you're invited to dine and walk and sleep and sing and pray. Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So a clean hands and a pure heart. Know his word. Do his word. Seek his heart devotedly. He'll answer you. He'll show you. The Holy Spirit guides us. Don't look to Joshua. In Joshua 1, verse 7, it says, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. See, we're going to keep our eyes stayed on Jesus. And all glory is going to fill our lives. <laughs> if we keep our eyes stayed on Jesus, all glory fills us up. Think about that. I'm going to just you know, walk in this like glory cloud. <laughs> so don't make a difficult circumstance, and I know circumstances can be painful. I'm not making light of difficult circumstances. We all go through them. Jesus went through very difficult circumstances, didn't he? He didn't say there are no difficult circumstances, and if you have a difficulty, you know, you don't have enough faith. He, had, he faced difficult circumstances, but don't make those difficult circumstances greater or bigger than your God. There is no circumstance on this earth greater than your God. 
There's nothing. There's nothing worth being out of his presence here on earth, no matter how difficult you think it is. It is all so worth it. To be in his presence. Do you have an argument with someone? Just lay it down. Is someone hurting you? Understand their pain and just forgive it. They're hurting you because of pain in their own lives. There is nothing worth sacrificing the presence of God. And maybe that's a negative way to say it. I should say it in a more positive way. Everything is worth giving up that we need to give up to be in his presence. Verse 5 in, in, in Psalm 24. They will receive, okay, these are the people that, you know, seek his presence, have a longing for the heart of God. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. He will save you, beloved. We don't call him Savior for nothing. Let's think about that. He didn't just save you away from hell. Sorry, I probably put my mic in a bad place today. He didn't just save you from hell. Well, in reality, anything that takes us away from him is hell. <laughs> if you think about it. But he saved us from every situation that is not his will. Does that make sense? He is your Savior and your only salvation in every circumstance. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Did you notice there that it says vindication from God, not from you? <laughs> Did you notice that? <laughs> Vengeance is not yours. Okay. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the glory of the king of glory may come in. What is he saying there? What does that mean? The king of glory is asking for entrance into your life. The king of glory is asking for entrance into your situation. Give it up. You can hang on to the pain or you can get the glory. Because the king of glory is asking for entrance. That the king of glory may come in. So in other words, open your hearts. Open your hearts to the heart of God. He will show you his ways. He's faithful and just and true. He is righteous. He is a loving God. 
he will put you on an unshakable foundation. He will transport you there. Is that my sweater doing that? Who is this king of glory? You know, we should live such unreserved lives, such unreserved, unfettered, abandoned to know his presence, so unreserved that every single part of us is offered up to God. Every bit, every nook and cranny, every sad thought, Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. He fought for you, beloved, through the precious body and blood of his own son to make you a son or a daughter of the Most High God. He fought for you. He is fighting for you. And he has won the battle. All we have to do is join forces. Lift up your gates. He repeats it again. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that, so that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. Hallelujah. Now, how many of you remember several years ago when, like, Isaiah 33 was sort of our foundation for the year? So we're going to revisit that just briefly. Because Isaiah 33, 5 and 6 say, The Lord is exalted. See, we just want to exalt him. You know, we spend way too much time way too much time, way too much time praying about needs. We ought to just be exalting the Lord, glorifying the Lord, extolling the Lord, praising the Lord. He'll take care of everything when we stay in that posture. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with his justice and righteousness. He will be the, the sure foundation for your times. A rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. That's a promise. That's a promise. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Seeking his presence is the key to that treasure. Now we're going to go, we're going to read a whole ton of Isaiah 33, starting in verse 13. You who are far away, hear what I have done. You who are near, you who are near, acknowledge my power. Acknowledge my power. This is not in your own strength. This is of the Lord. 
Acknowledge my power. That power is for you. The sinners, those are not those who believe in Christ, of course. We're not wretched sinners once we come to know Christ. We are the beloved of the Lord at that point, a child of God. The sinners in Zion are terrified. Trembling grips the godless. Who of us can dwell with the consuming fire? Who of us can dwell with everlasting burning? Allow him, beloved. Look at that. Look at those scriptures. Allow him to burn out the dross. It will bring you into pain-free living. Allow him to get rid of the dross. That's a good thing. Allow that fire to consume anything out of you that is not his pleasure. Because if we do that, we get to see the king in all his beauty. Wow. That's like an awesome, amazing promise. So who will endure the fire of testing, those who test themselves, right? Test yourself and hand it over to the Lord. Allow him to have his will. And verse 17 says, we will see the king in his beauty. Those who walk righteously and speak, okay, so this is basically sort of a supplemental. Those who walk righteously and speak what is right, who reject gain from extortion and keep their hands from accepting bribes, who stop their ears against plots of murder. That doesn't mean just murder. That means gossip. That means slander. That means backbiting. Right? Shut their eyes against contemplating evil. They are the ones who will dwell on the heights, whose refuge will be the mountain fortress. Okay, now once again, I want to reiterate to you that this is not a list of do's and don'ts. This is a heart issue. This is, I'm after the pleasure of God in my life. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Listen to this. This is what happens. These are more wonderful, beautiful things. Their bread will be supplied, and water will not fail them. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. Oh, my goodness. Awesome. And view a land that stretches afar. In your thoughts you will ponder the former terror. If it's former, it means that you are no longer experiencing it. The former terror, that's deliverance. That's deliverance. Where is that chief officer? Where is the one who took the revenue? Where is the officer in charge of the towers? You will see those arrogant people no more. People whose speech is obscure, whose language is strange and incomprehensible. Do you find the world to be strange and incomprehensible? Yeah, from this side of glory it is. Right? I don't say that arrogantly or meanly. But compared to the word of God, it is incomprehensible. And there is so much hope in the, work, in the word of God. So why wouldn't everyone just jump over there? 
into that new kingdom, into the glory realm, into the atmosphere of heaven. That's where we're meant to dwell. You will see those arrogant, you know, that's the pain, the, the pain and the difficulties of the past. You're going to see them vanish when you long for the presence of the Lord. Look on Zion, the city of our festivals. Your eyes will see Jerusalem. Your eyes will see Jerusalem. Your eyes will see Jerusalem. What is that? There is a new Jerusalem that we hope for, but guess what? God gives us visions of what we have eternally so that we can recognize them and, and, and yearn for them and know them in this life. We are intended to dwell in the fullness of Christ here. As a matter of fact, we're going to, let's go to Revelation 3 and read about that. Okay, I was, I was, okay, I'm going to back up. Because that's in, that's in Revelation 3.12. He is talking here to the church of Philadelphia. Okay? Listen to what he says. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. What did we talk about the name last week? Oh, beloved, like, I'm not telling you to go listen to me like I'm some expert or something like that. But as much revelation as you can get from that CD about the name of God would be helpful. And you could like, do your own study and you'd probably think of even more wonderful things. It says, let's go to verse 10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trouble that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Hold on, beloved. The king is coming again. Him who overcomes... Okay, what in the world are we going to need to overcome in heaven? He is talking to you now. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Hello, pillars. Hello, pillars. <laughs> Say, that's me. Never again will he leave it. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on him my new name. 
Oh, beloved, what a treasure. What a treasure that is. And then let's go to Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride. You are being prepared as a bride. Beloved, that's you. To seek his presence. You are being prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed. Beautifully dressed. Think of the most beautiful piece of art that you could ever imagine. And it would pale in comparison to the beauty that you are to your father. Beautifully dressed for her husband. You see, that's us. Okay. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a peaceful abode, a tent that will not be moved. Its stakes will never be pulled up. Its stakes will never be pulled up. That's you. Nor any of its ropes broken. There the Lord will be our mighty one. It will be like a place of broad rivers and streams. How awesome is that? No galley with oars will ride them. No mighty ship will sail them. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. It is he who will save us. And only he. You're rigging hangs loose. The mast is not held secure. The sail is not spread. Think of the restfulness in that. No striving. No trying to work it out. Figure it out. Make every right move. You understand? Then, an abundance of spoils will be divided, and even the lame will carry off plunder. Thank you, Lord. No one living in Zion will say, I am ill, and the sins of those who dwell there will be forgiven. Hallelujah. So that's what the Lord had us study today, we're going to, you know, this week, just ponder on the greatness of God. Just ponder on his love for you. Transition your life from an I need, I need, I need, will you do, will you do, will you do. Transition your life into a praise offering. Let your prayers be offered up as honor and blessing unto the Lord because he will, that will usher you into his presence and he takes care of everything else. And you will not be shaken. You cannot be in the presence of, the God, of God and be shaken. Okay? 
and that's what he has for us. So we're going to do tithes and communion. I guess we'll do communion first. Yeah, because I spilled mine. <laughs> 